You are listening to Concrete Conversations, an informative podcast brought to you by the Concrete Masonry Association of Australia. We represent the concrete masonry and segmental paving manufacturers in Australia. Our podcast will discuss technical information and case studies with some special guests from our industry. I'm your host, Elizabeth McIntyre, the CEO of the Concrete Masonry Association of Australia. On today's podcast, it's my great pleasure to welcome not only an esteemed colleague, Professor Simon Beecham, but also a friend. Simon Beecham is a leading industry expert on permeable paving, water harvesting and sustainable resource management. He's actually been with the University of South Australia since 2006 and was Acting Deputy Vice-Chancellor for Research and Innovation from 2019 to 2020. We have been working with Simon, the CMAA, since this time, and his research has been highly regarded in the permeable pavement industry with over 5,000 citations. Simon was absolutely critical and instrumental in the development of the Design Pave software suite. Welcome, Simon. Simon, before we get started today, I'm just curious as to how you started in this field and, and what led you to it? Well, I trained as a civil engineer in the UK in the mid-80s and specialised in water engineering very early on in my career. And I soon began to realise that particularly in the developed world, how profligate we are with our use of water and how unsustainable that's going to be into the future. So my research over the years focused on how we can be more sustainable in water use, water technologies. And that brought me towards trying to mimic nature and trying to return catchments to their pre-developed state and permeable paving became a very useful tool for that purpose. So if we were to just dive into permeable paving, pardon the pun, if you could just take us through what is a permeable pavement? A permeable pavement is basically a solid piece of concrete infrastructure that you can park a car on, drive a car on, uh, use as, as a typical roadway. But instead of forcing the water as it falls on this pavement to run off, and cause downstream flooding and pollution problems, it actually absorbs the water and infiltrates it through the pavement structure into harvestable areas sitting underneath the main use of the road. So you can imagine it or conceptualise it as a rainwater tank sitting underneath every single roadway. And we've done that experiment, haven't we, with we a have. rainwater tank yes, underneath a permeable paving driveway. Just in terms of the design, what are the key aspects for permeable pavement design? There are two key aspects. One is the hydraulic design where you manage that water flow and make sure that it doesn't cause any issues with your pavement structure. And the other is a structural design where you make sure the pavement is strong enough to carry the loads that you that it has to carry. And those can be enormous loads. So permeable paving systems and paving systems generally can handle heavy cranes lifting containers onto lorries. It can carry aeroplanes, jet aeroplanes, if it's designed appropriately. But most commonly, it's just for trafficable areas and cars and lorries. When you look at a, a permeable paving surface, where are the extra costs that are perceived costs? I think because the whole system uses different materials to a conventional road, so you need particular bedding materials of a particular size. The base course is not the same as a traditional road, and the pavers themselves come in a standard block size. There's three materials that they're dealing with. The contractors get very used to this, but initially it's not the standard design of roads that most undergraduate civil engineers are taught at university. <laughs> and I guess there's a 
a common misunderstanding that interlocking concrete pavements are weak because of the uniformly grade-based aggregates. Is it true? And how does this change over time? No, that's, that's a very common misperception. You can design a pavement to be as strong as you need it to be. And the, the bare minimum uh, that you would ever have would be 100 millimetres of base course, above which would sit 30 to 40 millimetres of bedding material and above that an 80 millimetre paver. If you think about that, that is over 200 millimetres of solid stone. It is extremely strong. And does that change when it's full of water, Simon? No, because you don't you don't allow the water to rise above a particular level, so it doesn't interfere with the structure itself. So the water management is that 50% that I was talking about before. It's the hydraulic design. It's very carefully managed, and it doesn't add any additional problems if designed appropriately. Simon, you and I have been able to travel extensively globally, and one of the statistics that sticks in my mind is for the developed world, we are the lowest country per capita that uses permeable and interlocking pavers. What's the international experience like and how is it different? It's been extremely good in countries like Germany, the UK, China, the USA. Interestingly enough, back in the 70s and 80s, Australia was one of the leading countries in the world. It's just we lost momentum and we lost, I don't know what it is, the confidence, I suppose, in, in building these systems. And we fell behind. And for many years, we had outdated practices, we had outdated guidelines, and we're, we're working towards a catch-up now. We, we have the most sophisticated software program available to design permeable paving anywhere in the world. And we need to catch up with those other countries. But you asked, Elizabeth, what was the driving force for those countries? It was largely government impetus where where governments were mandating their use. And I think in Canada, you can't build a car park without having that. And they actually even filter the water and then reuse it completely. Yeah, correct. As you mentioned, we now have the development of design paved software and you've been instrumental in that. What makes that different as opposed to other softwares? It's a very advanced design technique. It combines both the hydraulic side and the structural side that I was talking about before. Very few software packages combine those in single uh, software package. On the structural side, it uses the most, the very latest mechanistic design procedures, which are incredibly complex and difficult to undertake by hand calculations. And it uses very sophisticated, heavy industrial design techniques, such as the British Ports method. So it has everything in its toolbox Uh, to allow designers to free up their time effectively to be more creative in the design. If you look at other, there's other software out there like Circly and Music. What's yeah. What are the key differences between yeah. that? Circly and Music are both designed for other purposes. You can design permeable pavements with them, but that's not their primary purpose. So they're, they're add-on modules and consequently they're not as sophisticated and not as accurate in my view, uh, particularly music. In fact, the same music algorithms for water quality are embedded into design pave. So any advantages that you would have using music are already within PermPave, but PermPave has much, in my view, much stronger hydrology. If we talk about the current knowledge gap in Australia around permeable pavings, is this a way that we're trying to bridge that gap? Uh, Certainly that having a tool available free of charge, which I think the CMAA has to be commended for, uh, making that available to designers is certainly going to reduce some obstacles to the uptake of uh, permeable paving, but there's still a lot more we have to work on, and particularly that government endorsement and requirement for contractors and consultants to use more sustainable technologies. That's got to come at some stage. And is that sort of a method that we could help to, I I mean, we're trying to get more specifiers to approve it. Would that be one of the methods? 
Yes, certainly. At the moment, consultants don't have to use it. They can use their old methods, which are very unsustainable. There's a lot of asphalt still being laid in Australia, and that's a very poor material with a very uh, low albedo and one of the biggest contributors to urban heat island effects. Uh, And until governments decide that that's not the way we want to build our cities in the future, it's going to be hard for permeable paving to gain enough traction. So it needs support. You mentioned um, just there the urban heat island effect, which has become obviously more important and in particular because we also represent roof tile manufacturers Mm. and everyone seems to be very concerned about what's on our roofs, Mm. but they're not so concerned about what's on our roads and our pavements. Yeah, exactly. So, and and we basically paint our pavements black. Asphalt is a dark material. It it absorbs 90% of all the heat that it receives from the sun and then re-radiates that back out during both day and nighttime. It's an awful material to use in in your cities. So if we moved over to... Uh, permeable paving, uh, particularly permeable paving that stays damp during uh, and after rainfall events, that also helps lower those temperatures. So it's a win-win. One of the issues that gets brought up all the time is about permeable pavements that clog. Yes. What some of, what are the misconceptions around that? Well, for a start, you can design a permeable paving system to clog, if you like, fully clog and still perform satisfactorily. It results in a slightly larger pavement, but it can be done. So you, you can actually design the clogging out of the system completely. And then if you didn't want to do that, if you wanted to be a very conser- have a very conservative design, you can have maintenance regimes such as sweeping or vacuuming uh, to unclog the systems. And if you really end up with a, a legacy system that has fully clogged, it's not that difficult to lift the pavers, replace the bedding material, put the pavers back down, and you have a brand new pavement. So clogging is one of those other misconceptions. And we've got a beautiful yeah. picture to show because I know we've used it a lot of times where you actually did that. And yeah. I think it was after, what was it, 10 years or oh, even no, more? It would have been 20, 20-odd years, years, I think, in that system, yes. Simon, what would be the most interesting or rewarding project that you've worked on with permeable pavers? Well, it was back in 2006 when I first started looking at these in in great detail from a research perspective. And we actually at the University of South Australia developed the world's first permeable paving system with underlying storage. It was just a simple car space, five metres by three metres. It's still on our Mawson Lakes campus today and is still functioning. We've adapted it since then, but the initial design was, was a trial to see whether the concept could work. And what's been so rewarding isn't so much that particular project, it's the the number of projects that have mimicked that one and built upon it. So these systems are used across Australia, across the world now, and it all started with that one car space back in 2006 at the University of South Australia. And, you know, I remember with that one, it actually watered a garden next to it. It, it And you just think about everyone's putting water tanks next to their houses and they could be using that space under their cars and also watering their garden at the same time. Next to it now, there is a rainwater garden, as you said, Elizabeth. It's five metres by three metres, exactly the same size as the car space. And that has never been hand watered with reticulated water supply. It's only ever been watered by water that's harvested through that permeable pavement system and it's still alive today. So where would you like to see more permeable paving used yes. outside? I mean, in addition yeah. to, I guess, what you've said. Yeah. As, as I said before, all outside car parks should be permeably paved in my, my view. Then there are many other applications, off-street parking along normal roads. So anywhere where there's a sort of low-speed environment, all container yards where you load trucks, they can be permeable paved, airport Aprons can be permeable paved. All the hard standing areas that currently cause all our urban heat island effects and all our flooding problems and all our water 
quality problems, all of those can be permeable paved and those problems would be managed. I just was reminded, but remember how you did that experiment with the permeable pavers in the car park just near one of the beaches here in South Australia? Yes, in New Haven, I think it is. And that system's one of the oldest in South Australia, still functioning today. And we uh, measured the water quality on that when it was more than 10 years old over quite an extensive period. That was published in peer-reviewed journals. And uh, the system is, is has shown how useful permeable paving can be, both from a flood control perspective. That system's not a, a water harvesting and reuse system, but from a flood control perspective and from a water quality perspective, uh, these systems outperform traditional roads. Because I think in that um, situation, and we'll put the, the pictures up, but I think it was a time of less than half an hour where all of the pooling had absolutely subsided. Would that be about right? Yeah, it, the, I went out at night actually to take some photographs <laughs> and there are two car parks. One is permeable paved and the other isn't. And I'm not quite sure why they only did one car park and not the other. But I've got this picture of the... the Conventionally asphalted car park, just absolutely waterlogged. You couldn't get in or out of your cars in there. And right next to it is this huge car park that's permeable paved with no water in sight. Amazing. And yet people still don't use it more often. Do you have a favourite permeable paving project? I do. It's one in South Australia. It's in Onkaparinga Council and it was designed by Onkaparinga Council. Jude Nermaralaja, who's a senior engineer there, he came to our Mawson Lakes campus, saw that five metre by three metre permeable pavement system with underlying tank and didn't say anything. He just went away and called me about six months later to come and see his project. And he had made this huge car park uh, next to Morfitt Vale Oval. And Morfitt Vale Oval is a major use of, of water in his council area. And he solved, solved two problems in one go by building, mimicking that system and scaling it up to the whole car park. And now that oval is watered by water collected after rainwater events. So that was so satisfying to see that. Yeah, and it's a beautiful council, that Onkaparinga Council. Yeah, it's a lovely area. Yeah, one of the largest in South Australia. Yeah. Simon, what would your advice be to aspiring students and professionals in this field? Well, first first and foremost, be creative, be imaginative, and that's what engineering should be. The word engineer actually comes from the French word ingénieur, which means ingenious. So be creative and, and, and think outside the box. But use your time to focus on... Uh, building a more sustainable world for yourselves, for your children and for your children's children. And that's where we, I think, have gone wrong. These urban heat island effects and climate change impacts that we're feeling now are all because we haven't looked ahead. And we have the tools in our toolbox to manage our water systems and our climate much more sustainably, and we just don't. That's very sad, Mm -hmm. particularly for those of us with children. Have you seen any projects that we should keep an eye on? Yes, many. <laughs> but unfortunately, most of them are overseas. There are some wonderful permeable paving systems around the world, many football stadia. Actually, one of the most inspiring for me was in a relatively poor country. I visited South Africa in 2008, and they were just building all their stadia for the World World Cup. They won the, the staged the World, World Cup in football. And all their stadia that they were building, one in each capital city, had permeable paving around them. And this is a country that's, you know, economically nowhere near as advanced as Australia, but it it saw the purpose and the need for it even back then. Mm. So, yeah, I would say that was 
one, the, particularly the Cape Town football stadium. Cape Town's a beautiful city anyway, but Cape Town football stadium, the new one, is also incredibly beautiful as a structure and it's completely surrounded by permeable paving. Okay, so I've got a few quick questions for you. What is the biggest misconception about segmental pavers? Probably uh, there's a common misperception, which I still hear today, that people can't uh, walk on them with high-heeled shoes. And I don't know where that came from, uh, but it's a total myth. You're much more likely to trip on a concrete pavement where the slabs have lifted because of tree roots and whatever than you are on a permeable paving system. So that's probably my favourite misconception. You know, as a female, I always think it's ironic that that seems to be the biggest concern men have about women is the paving and yet there's so many other issues that they could be concerned about. (laughs) Give us one fun fact about segmental pavers. Okay, here's a here's a good one. In China, they're building sponge cities, which is a funny term, but it's quite a serious initiative to make their cities more sustainable, both from an urban heat island effect and a climate change perspective. And their biggest tool in their toolbox for building a sponge city is permeable paving because it acts like a sponge and it, it stops water from flooding downstream areas and, for, and stops the water quality issues that they faced for many years in their river systems. And are they recycling that then? Sometimes, Some, yeah, yeah okay. not, not always, but yep. sometimes. Uh, excellent, yeah. I have to look into that. What is the best aspect about using concrete segmental pavement? Uh, as I said, now you've got a good design tool like Design Pave, you can be very creative and, and think about other way integrating these systems into other systems. So we've done a lot of work recently integrating street trees into permeable paving systems so you can use them to harvest water and to feed street trees. Uh, and there are limitless opportunities to be more creative in designs. And flag pavers or block pavers? Oh, block pavers every time. <laughs> <laughs> well, Simon, as usual, you've been straight to the point in everything that I've asked you. You remain one of our absolute experts on concrete paving and permeable paving. And thank you so much for coming and having a concrete conversation with us today. Thank you, Elizabeth. <laughs> If you have enjoyed this podcast, please follow, rate and review our podcast. We are always looking for ideas of what to talk about. If you have an idea of what you'd like to hear about, there's a link in our show notes to let us know.